0: Because I know painfully that I am not the perfect parent. I know painfully my shortcomings as a dad. And I think we all feel that tension. Those of us that are raising kids, maybe you have young kids, maybe you have kids that have left the house already. By the way, if you have kids that left the house already, you're not exempt. You can't check out. You can't go early for coffee because this is still for you. If you're here and maybe you're single or maybe you're here and you don't have kids, guess what? This is still for you. You don't get to check out because when we look at Scripture theologically, we see a whole lot of the spirit of adoption and spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers that come alongside the next generation. And so this is still for you. And so we're all in this together. If you're taking notes, write this down. You ready? Here we go. Don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. Okay? Write that down. You ready? Don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. All right, so we're going to dig into this a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. And if you're new with us, we've been tracking through Colossians over the last several months. It's a it's a letter that Paul the apostle wrote to the church in Colossae. It's found in the New Testament. And we're going to dig into what he wrote to this young, fledging church of the first century. So Colossians 3, chapter 21, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says this, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Discourage. It's interesting because I wanted so badly this week, as I was preparing the sermon, I, I wanted to replace fathers with parents. I wanted to say just just parents don't provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And 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 though this this absolutely one hundred percent applies to both moms and dads, spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, there's something specific that Paul is doing here when he speaks to fathers. Fathers in the first century had all the power in the home. They were the authority. They were, if they wanted to be in an unhealthy way, they were the authoritarians of the home in the first century. Kids did not have rights, and women did not have rights. Okay, Here's the deal. First century, under the law of the first century in the Middle East in that time, If you as a father wanted to go and kill your rebellious son or daughter, you could do that and there'd be no societal repercussions. Okay? So this is where Paul is writing a new perspective into the life of the first century coming out of the teachings of Jesus and our understanding of what Jesus calls us to. So fathers, do not provoke your children. In a a biblical sense, there's something powerful about the role of the father in a home. And, And we, and when I say we, our society has cheapened the role of fathers. We've cheapened the role of fathers. We've cheapened the role of the importance of a father, a male figure in the life and the development of family and kids. Now, some of that has been deserved. Some of it's been deserved. Because we've seen a society, we've seen a culture, we've seen a contingent of men who have abdicated their roles. They have walked out, they have not stepped up, they have not risen up. And so a lot of society is reacting to what we see in this culture of men who have not stepped up. And so I understand that there is this abdication in our society of of the father. But I believe if we're going to see a generation of young men and women rise up tomorrow, we need to see both fathers and mothers rise up today. We believe the primary and single greatest vehicle for discipleship of the next generation is the home. It's parents stepping up. It's spiritual fathers and mothers stepping in with the spirit of adoption to make those investments deep into the heart's of the next generation. Now, some of you are thinking to yourselves, my kids have grown up, they're gone, so it's too late for all of that. And can I just silence that excuse today? I'm not going to allow you to even go there in your mind. That's not your excuse. You are still a father and you're still a mother. It's never too late to let the Spirit of God do something deep in you, making you look more and more like Jesus and reaching out sacrificially, maybe even awkwardly, maybe even to someone who's unreciprocating that love, it's never too late. When you invite the Holy Spirit into any relationship, no matter how strained or broken it may be, allowing him to change your perspectives, he gives you grace for new behavior. He gives you grace to engage that in a beautiful way. So maybe you're here and you said, you know what? The whole parenting gig been there done that it's all over for me no it's not it's not and perhaps some of you would say lucas i'm raising my kids by myself and their father has pieced the scene or they're gone because of uncontrollable circumstances and and to you i just want to say i'm so sorry that that's your journey that's a hard journey I can't even imagine the journey that you have to take. And what I want to say to you is it takes a village to raise a child. There's a reason God has brought you to community of faith. Because it's in community of faith that you can find those around you that you highly respect and that you can see and you go, "You know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be intentional about inviting maybe a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, into the lives of my children. And you can be strategic, and you can be intentional, and that's the beauty of being part of community. Now, you have to do that with wisdom. You have to do that with great discernment. But there's a way of allowing the spirit of adoption, looking around and seeing that there are those that are happy, to invest in the next generation and come alongside you in your journey. You know, I, I, Paul, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that Paul is giving us parenting advice. First of all, Paul was single, uh, didn't have any kids, <laughs> never got married, um, and yet he's giving us parenting advice. But, but here's the beauty of Paul's story. Paul was a father to so many in the first century. And one of the most famous kind of dynamics and relationships with, was Paul. And Timothy, you read the the first and second Timothy, and you can see that Paul had adopted this young man, Timothy, and then poured his life into him. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful dynamic when we, even if they're not our own kids, take up that mantle to pour into the next generation. So whatever stage of life you find yourself in, this sermon applies to you. So let's dig into our main thing statement today. Don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. The word provoke is is potentially confusing because the word can be a positive and it can be a negative, depending on the context. And, And obviously we can assume based on the context of this usage of provoke that Paul is talking about a provocation in a negative sense. To really assess this word, we have to pair it with the second part of this verse. The outcome of the provocation leads to the discouragement of the child. Now, I spoke earlier about finding that middle ground, and in order to do that, we have to take the whole counsel of God's word and not just this verse. So, here's where we get in trouble. The word provoke is not synonymous. It's not the same as the word discipline. Okay? Just in case you're wondering. To provoke your child isn't to say we don't ever discipline our children. They're not synonymous. They're not the same thing. Now, there's two types of discipline in your toolbox, parents. There's artificial discipline and there's natural discipline. Now, I want to just like give you just a quick synopsis of the difference. Artificial discipline is where you tell your kid, if you do that, I'm going to do this. Right? If you do that, you're going in timeout. If you do that, you're going in. My mom, um, long after they were done spanking us as kids, the last time my dad spanked me, I started laughing while he was doing it. And so he kind of just in that moment went, yeah, this is no longer an effective form of discipline. But my mom got really creative, and so my discipline was, I would have to go and sit in the bathroom, downstairs, basement bathroom with nothing. And it just, oh my goodness, it it actually worked really well, parents. That was my sort of time out in the bathroom with nothing to do than folding toilet paper into airplanes. That was all I had. So, artificial discipline. If you do that, I'm going to do this. Now, the second is natural discipline. This is where we appropriately step out of the way with wisdom. And age appropriateness, letting the natural consequences take their place without intervening and stepping in. This might be one of the hardest forms of discipline for us as parents. Sometimes you need to just step out of the way and let the natural course of their behavior take its full. Now, age appropriate. Nothing that's, you know, you're not going to go to a four-year-old, oh, you want to play in the street? Okay, go ahead and see what happens, right? Nothing that's going to kill him or have long-term, you know. But you just step out of the way and you let just the natural, you know, behavior run its course to the natural consequences. And sometimes that's the most powerful form of discipline. Now, here's where we're tightrope walking a little bit. Here's where we've got to manage that radical middle. There's a difference between discipline for the betterment of your kids and discipline for the betterment of your reputation or convenience. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between discipline for the betterment of your kids and discipline for the betterment of your reputation or convenience. And here's the kicker your kids will start to tell the difference. I can respect it when someone disciplines me because they're invested in me. But woe to the person who tries to discipline me because they're invested in them. You're gonna get a very different reaction over a span of time. And we gotta walk the middle. I had a manager when I, uh, f- my first job was at Safeway. That was back when we had to wear the dress shirt with the black tie and the red vest. I was a courtesy clerk. And I always knew when district managers were going to be coming to our local Safeway because our assistant store manager, Barry, would start getting on us. He'd start disciplining us. He'd start kind of making us go, hey, you haven't fronted all those shells. You haven't, and I always knew in that moment, I knew district management's coming because he wouldn't do it at any other time. So he wouldn't do it for the good of that store, that organization. He wouldn't do it for the good of, of me developing as a courtesy clerk. He did it, and it was very obvious because he wanted to look good to his district managers. Man, that was, it was hard to work under Barry. It just was. The kicker for me was when he sent me out to shovel out under the trash. You can tell that I have, still have issues with this. I'm bringing it up. How many years later? I had to go out in summer heat under the trash compactor, which all of a sudden, like, the garbage overspills. and It's all over, and you're shoveling it out. But he wouldn't let me take off my little red monkey vest that I had on, you know? It's like, you know, i just missing the little fez. He wouldn't let me take that off or my tie or undo my button because a district manager might see me out of uniform. I was not long for that job. You know, people say you don't, that you don't, quit, you don't quit businesses or you don't quit organizations, you quit managers. I quit a manager. But the same goes for our kids. You have to ask yourself, what is the motivation, fathers? What is the motivation, mothers when it comes to the discipline of your kids if we start at a place of doing it for their success and betterment then we can many ways mitigate the chances of provoking our kids where discipline does become provocation are you disciplining your kids for their betterment Or are you simply disciplining them because you're embarrassed of their behavior and how the reputation in this town or the reputation in church or the reputation is going to affect you? And let me tell you, this is hard because I've struggled with this. I still struggle with this. Walking this tension and the motivations of my heart. But walking in the balance and being great discipliners and yet raising kids that, that experience love even when it's hard love but they know that it's for their benefit for their best. And you do need to be a great discipliner. Because the other extreme is to not discipline your children. And this verse does not advocate for that at all because we look at the whole counsel of God's word and we see that there is faithful discipline. In fact, We're told that God disciplines the ones that he loves. Discipline is a part of loving your children. If you want some great resources on this, I encourage you to go visit myevangel.church/media and take a look at a series we had a little while ago called Parenting Digital Natives. It was a great series. We had Pastor Ryan Morgan from Generations Church in Nanaimo. Uh, come out, and she's got some great practical thoughts, particularly episodes three and four. Three and four, so if you want to check that out. Don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. The second part of this idea of provocation leading to discouragement is the question, whose image are you shaping your kids to become? Whose image are you shaping your kids to become? to become. And here's the secret sauce if you're looking to discourage your kid. Try to shape them into your image. Make it your goal to shape them into your image and you have discovered the secret sauce of messing up your kid and messing up your relationship with your kids. Live vicariously through your kids and you're creating an environment of discouragement and pressure that is debilitating. Just hear that. Fathers, don't live vicariously through your kids. The problem arises when we get caught up in shaping our kids into our own image. And the discouragement begins when we provoke our kids towards outcomes that aren't shared. Now there's a caveat before I go on. What I'm about to say does not take into account, there's so many complexities to this. But I want to just talk in general language so we can kind of evaluate the motivations of our heart. I remember so vividly sitting down with a young man. And from the outside looking in, I wouldn't have known. From the outside looking in, this guy had everything going for him. He had everything he could ever want. So this young man is playing very, very high-level hockey. Very high-level hockey. And he's crushing it. He's doing well, doing very well. He had been playing hockey his entire life. He had gone, got up early his entire life, going to tournaments, going to clinics. His parents invested him, made him big time, particularly his dad. And from the outside looking in, you go, "This kid's got it all. This guy's, this guy's going somewhere." And yet, here I am sitting with this young man. He's an adult, by the way. Now, okay. This isn't some teen, this is an adult with tears in his eyes, okay? Tears in his eyes going, Lucas, I just don't know how I'm going to tell my dad that I don't want to play hockey. Here's a kid who grew up and his dad was living vicariously through his son's successes, shaping his son in his own image. In his own ideal of what he should look like or what he should be. And now this kid is an adult crying in front of me because he doesn't know how to tell his dad he doesn't want to be the man that his dad wants him to be. Whose image are you parenting your children towards? Whose image did you parent your now adult kids towards? If you want to do this well, we have to discover who God uniquely created our kids to be. Discover that as a journey with them, and you will be such a beautiful encouragement to them. Not your ideal, not your picture of a preferred future for them. Discover God's ideal and God's picture of a preferred future for them. Provoke your kids towards your predetermined ideal of who you think they should be and watch the discouragement begin to take hold. But there's a flip side to this coin. Remember, we're saying, don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. There's a flip side to this coin because that context of provoke is provoke and discouragement. But we know that there's provocation that actually develops strength in us, right? When, When we're aligned in a shared outcome, there's provocation that can help spur our kids forward. For instance, when I was in high school, I did a lot of running. And I had a really good friend. He'd run with me all the time. And we tried to go every second day. And we had this route that was about 10 kilometers long. And at the end of the route, we would always, every time that we were running together, we would always, at one point, we were on the street that was going past our high school and then right next door is our middle school. And that was sort of, when we got the property of the high school, it was like full sprint. Here we go, here we go, here we go, until we got to the other side of the middle school. And of course, when you're with a buddy, you don't want to lose. And so he provoked me and I provoked him. And sometimes I beat him and sometimes he beat me. But guess what happened? When we did it alone, when one of us couldn't show up for that run, how many of you think that I sprinted that high school, middle school little section? Forget that noise. Right? There's something about provoking one another that can lead to encouragement. That can lead to great things. But here's the deal. We both had a shared goal in mind. We both had this outcome in mind and and we shared it together as a common goal. Parents, we can provoke our kids, but we must be sure that the outcome is a mutually shared outcome. This is what we call accountability. This is what we call accountability. Accountability. This means knowing your kids. This means watching them grow and having conversations about their hopes and their dreams. You get to come alongside your kids. You get to do this. What an awesome opportunity as we discover what God is doing deep inside of our kids, who God uniquely made them to be. As we discover the dreams and the passions that God is injecting into them, we get as parents to come alongside and to begin to share in those outcomes, and begin to provoke our kids and encourage our kids and hold them accountable to the goals that they've set for themselves. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this kind of relationship. Unlike the parent's role in discipline, when it comes to the end, you know, discipline for the most part comes to an end when your kids leave the house. So empty nesters, you know, there was a time, although, not going to lie, If we're defining natural discipline, sometimes parents that have adult kids, the best thing you can do for your kids is to allow the natural discipline, the natural consequences of their behavior, and don't step in and save them. So even parents with adult kids, you still get the discipline. It just means sometimes stepping out of the way and letting the natural consequences of their poor decision-making just fully, and don't save them. Don't throw them the safety net. Parents, that's, that's like the best thing you can do for your kids half the time. Do that in wisdom, but do it. Step out of the way. But for the most part, discipline ends. Your your journey and your season of disciplining your kids and, and walking them in a place of, of correction and right direction and alignment and all of that, it ends. But here's the beauty of provoking your kids in a shared goal and a shared You get to do this until the day you die, parents. Spiritual fathers and mothers, you get to do this until the day you die. You get to come alongside and encourage your kids and, and appreciate the outcomes that they're running towards. God already made your kids in His image, He already has a plan for their lives. And he doesn't need you to place your plans or your image into the mix. He doesn't need you to place your plans and your image into the mix. Encourage, love, discipline when it needs to be done and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal who he's created your kids to be. Don't provoke your kids, but rather provoke your kids. I'm going to ask the worship team to come just as we As we close. And we're going to be closing a little early today. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. Fathers. Do not provoke your kids. Lest they become discouraged. And I want to end. With a thought that deepens our understanding. Of of the goal of parenting. The reality is. Our kids like ourselves. Are damaged. In their identity. And sometimes. We've created this culture and this society where we've, in the church, adopted this sort of humanistic philosophy of life and personhood and humanity. Here's the reality. Your kids were born with a sin nature. Your kids were born broken from the get-go, just like you were. And the goal is not for your kids to be all that they can be in and of themselves. The goal is for our kids to meet Jesus, who then can speak greater identity than we ever could. Our kids need Jesus, just as we needed Jesus. We're going to do something a little different. Just as the team, they're just going to play. You're not going to sing. You're just going to play and just just allow the anointing of the Spirit just kind of lead you in that, something powerful about music, something powerful about even just instrumental music as as the spirit takes hold of it. And I just want to commend you, parents, for the journey you're on. I know you're not perfect, and I know you don't feel it, Because I don't. I feel the tension every single day. But I want to encourage you to pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. It's the best thing you can ever do for your kids. And we're going to end by taking a moment to pray for our kids. We've got a whole bunch of them over there right now we got a whole bunch of them that are off with family right now, long weekend, traveling and just making memories together, celebrating life and family together this weekend. And maybe you're here and you say, I don't, I don't have any kids. Well, guess what? You can pray for the next generation. You can pray for those kids that you do have in your life, that you get to invest in. And love on and speak truth over. And we're just gonna take a moment just to make it just painfully practical. Because there's power in prayer. So why don't you in your own way just begin to pray over? Pray over your children. Maybe you're here with your spouse your partner in raising these, these kids. Pray with them. Some of you have never done that before. You've never prayed blessing over your kids together. Let this be the first time. Don't feel guilty about that, but let this be the first time. Speak their names out loud. Maybe your kids are sitting beside you. Lay your hands on them. And pray blessing over them. So, Lord God, we lift our kids up to you. Just begin to pray. Begin to pray. If you find it awkward, push through the awkward. Don't let that stop you. Embrace the awkward until it's anointed. Praise you, Lord. Let's begin to pray out. Thank God for who they are, who he created them to be. Maybe you have kids that are grown and away, and maybe they're away from the Lord. Pray blessing over them. Pray blessing over them. Come on, push through, church. Push through, church. We didn't come here for a show. Press in, push through. Praise you, Lord. Maybe you're new to prayer. Maybe you're exploring faith and you're wondering, what in the world are these people doing? We're talking to God. And we're praying blessing just as the scriptures tell us to do. So, Lord, we speak over this next generation. And when I say next generation, Lord, we mean anybody younger than us. (laughs) The whole gambit. Lord, I pray over parents today that you would do something deep in their hearts. Lord, we own, we own that we aren't the best at this. We own our shortcomings. Maybe for some of us, the trajectory of our parenting journey has been horrible up to this point. Lord, would you do something deep within us first? Would you, Holy Spirit, do something deep within us first? Would you change our motivations around parenting? That, Lord, it would no longer be about ourselves or our reputation or our image or what we want to see But rather, Lord, we would submit that to you, and we would discover your image in our kids. Would you help us, Lord God, to discipline and to encourage and to love and to come alongside for the betterment of them, not ourselves. Lord, I pray for every single parent here, single fathers and single mothers. Lord, would you strengthen them? Lord, we speak blessing over them in Jesus' name. Would you lift up their heads and give them profound hope? Would you cause us as a community of faith to come alongside of them? In their journey, would you raise up spiritual fathers and mothers, spiritual grandmothers and spiritual grandfathers that would walk with and hold up both their kids and themselves. So, Lord, we don't want to discourage our kids. We want to be a blessing to them. Lord, we want our ceiling to be their floor. We want, Lord God, what is for us today to be their beginning point. That they can grow exponentially more than we could ever in our lifetime. That they can be better people than we are in their outcomes and in the way they love, and the way that they interact with this world. And Holy Spirit, would you reveal Jesus to them? Whether they're adults far from you, or they're kids in the next room, would you, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to them? Keep looking at that clock. We got time. I I just feel like, God wants to teach us something about standing in the gap. Like if you're here and you're looking at a clock and you're just, you know, thinking, oh man, when's this show over? You came to the wrong show. Because God wants to God wants to cause us to do something with this. It's, it's not good enough that we heard the word. We need to respond to it somehow. And I just believe the spirit wants to do something break through some, some barriers, some stuff. Learn to pray. He wants to teach us to pray, to teach us to, to cover our kids in prayer, to cover this next generation in prayer, shifting something in us, shifting something in us. And so, Lord God, we ask that you would cover our children, that you would cover this next generation, that, Lord God, you would raise up those that would come and invest and show them a better way, that, Lord, as they look at society, that they would see it for what it is, the broken patterns of this world, but when they would look at their moms and dads who are pressing into Jesus, that they would see a better way, They would see the fruit and the fulfillment, that they would witness peace and joy and restoration in their houses and in their homes. That the veneer of the society would crack and show it for what it really is. But the consistency of righteousness and holiness in us would be a testimony of the power of truth the power of Christ in me and the power of Christ in us. Would you stir something in us, Lord? To stand up and to be counted as those who will fight for this next generation. Who'll sacrifice? who will say yes to that daily journey of looking more and more like Jesus so our children can see a better way. Lord, shake us up. Wake us up. Show us the great cost to doing nothing, show us the great cost to the status quo of spirituality and church, and then reveal the great hope if we will stand up and be counted as those willing to change. As those willing to model a better way in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord God, we're done talking about it. Empower us today, tomorrow, in the days and weeks and years to come to walk it out. Not for our glory. But for your glory, for your kingdom's sake, in the next generation, we pray. And if you're in agreement, only if you're in agreement, I ask you to say amen. So be it, Lord. So be it. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Well, God bless you. Leave this place different than you came in. Leave this place different than you came in. It's the work of the Spirit in your life. God bless. Have a great week, everyone.